So um, today I'm, I'm going to start with uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So I think I'm going to turn to 2 Thessalonians. If anyone needs a Bible, we've got some extras at the back. If, if you, well, you've got one. If, if anyone's missing one, if they forgot to bring it. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. It's, uh, it's a small book. Let's see if I can find it myself here. It's uh, after you got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, then 1 Thessalonians, then 2 Thessalonians. Yeah, it's only like two pages, right? So. Second Second Thessalonians chapter two. <clears throat> it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of per perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. <coughs> but today, I'm going to be focusing on that in verse 3 where it says, that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. About the falling away. Um, so... Paul was, you know, telling them that, uh, now, what is he talking about? Our gathering together unto him in verse 1. And um, let's take a look at that first so we can get some context as to what he's talking about. What is the, the gathering together unto him? So if we go just over a couple pages here, one page over to the left in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 <clears throat> starting in verse uh, 13 it says but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which were there that which are asleep that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that which we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So this is what 2 Thessalonians 2 is talking about. It's saying that that can't happen. That's called the rapture or the resurrection. So it'll be all the people who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, all the saved believers will rise first when he returns. And then everyone who's also a believer who's alive at the time will also be caught up in the air to, to meet him in the air. And um, that's one of the prophecies of the end times when he's going to come back, right? So, and when he comes back, we're going to be resurrected. Everyone who's ever believed in him throughout history is going to be re uh, resurrected at that time. 
So Paul is saying, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. So it can't happen unless there's a falling away, and the man of sin that's going to be revealed is called the Antichrist. Right? He's going to declare himself to be God and sit in the temple, which actually ha they haven't rebuilt that temple yet. I, they have to rebuild. They they have to rebuild a temple in um, Israel for him to actually sit there and declare himself God. So the rapture cannot happen until those two things. So, but the first thing is the falling away, and the falling away um, is apostasy, right? It's like a falling away from the faith is what he's talking about. Um, if we go to Luke chapter uh, eight, Luke eight. Luke, Luke 8, there's, the, there's a parable here in Luke 8, uh, so Luke chapter 8, there's a parable of the seed uh, where it says, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, so it's when a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. So he doesn't necessarily want certain people that won't understand it to know what he's talking about, but he wants certain people who, who will understand him, who, will, who do believe him, to know what it means. So he does now, he, he usually explains what these parables mean. So in verse 11 it says, Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to per perfection. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. So in verse 13, it says, The ones that hear receive the word with joy, but they have no root, and they, they believe for a while, and then in time of temptation they fall away. So they stop believing, right? They're actually, they are still saved, right? They, they believed the gospel, but then they didn't, you know, they didn't keep with it, so they fell away. They, so they fell away. So the falling away is like a falling away from the faith. This is what Second Thessalonians is, is warning us about. And um, there's some, I'm going to go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24 gives us a bunch of... Uh, signs of what's going to happen at the end of the world. So if we go to Matthew 24. Matthew. Okay. Matthew 7, 24 says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple 
And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. That, that's the temple he was talking about. That happened in AD, that happened in 70 AD when the Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem. They, they destroyed that temple, and that came true in 70 AD. And as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto, him, unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Um, so that's, that's actually the first thing he mentions, is that many are going to come in his name and um, deceive many. This, this is directly related to, to the falling away, because there is no time worse than there is today. With many, There's many false prophets out there. There's almost no good churches out there right now. There's only a handful of churches that are left that are actually preaching the correct doctrine, right? There's a lot of false doctrine out there. And this was predicted by, uh, by the Bible. Um, so if we go, just go over to um, verse 11 there. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So, and then if we skip down to verse 24, for there shall, shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So it's not, it, that verse is saying it's not possible for the elect to be deceived by these false prophets. They're going to be, even worse than today, it's going to come a time when someone's going to come and even do miracles, and you might think that, you know, they're from God, but it's warning you here they're going to show great signs and wonders. But you're not going to be deceived. If you're saved, you won't be deceived by that because we've been warned in the Bible here not to be deceived. Um, so in today's day, I mean, there's so many false prophets. I don't really see a lot of miracles happening. But, you know, if you watch like Benny Hinn or some of those charismatic preachers um, you'll, on TV, they'll, you'll see Benny Hinn like waving his coat and people are falling down and people are rolling around the aisles and stuff, things like that. Those kind of signs and wonders we are seeing today, but we're not, I'm not deceived by that. That's, it's not, it's false, right? That's not, that's not uh, what's supposed to happen. Those people are false prophets. Um, and then over in Jude, you don't have to turn to Jude. It's just one verse. Jude 1 verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a lot, a lot of warnings in the Bible about false prophets arising, right? And I, I believe that's why there's a, such a falling away because it's hard to find the truth now. You can't, you can't go to it. You, you go to the average church, they either don't preach the gospel at all or they're preaching and openly preaching a false gospel, saying that you have to repent of your sins for salvation, or they have they believe Calvinism. Calvinism is another deceptive. That's a whole separate sermon on its own. But Calvinism basically tells you that God chose certain people to be saved and certain people to not to be saved, and that's a false doctrine as well, because God wants all men to be saved, not just some. That He doesn't pick and choose. It's whosoever believeth. That's who gets saved. 
He didn't pre-pick any, anybody. Just because he knows, he knows who's going to be saved, because he sees the end from the beginning, but he doesn't force people to be saved. But the Calvinists believe he forces you to be saved or, or not saved, which that's false. And you've also got cults out there that are disguising themselves as true churches. The cults, like uh, you got the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, you've got the United Church of God, which it, most people don't recognize that as a cult. And they've got this big ministry online on called Beyond Today, a ma glossy magazine. And uh, okay, so um, and they're teaching a, a work salvation. Yeah, keep the law for salvation, right? Those guys. And um, or Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't believe that Jesus is God, right? They don't. They're to they, They're totally. Uh, teaching a false gospel. And, uh, you, and uh, there's also a rise today, I've seen it, in um, what's called Gnosticism. And I've seen this on YouTube a lot now. People are preaching Gnosticism, which says that if you have the secret knowledge, there's some secret gospel of Thomas, right? You've got the secret gospels that are out there. They're being recognized by certain people they're they're promoting this as 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 scripture, right? But it's not. It's false. It was written by the Gnostics, in like very, in the early days of the church, right? And uh, they believe that if you have the secret knowledge, then you yourself can become as gods, right? So it's one of Satan's earliest lies, and that's where Gnosticism le leads to. And it leads to you have scientists out there saying that the world is a simulation. They now are starting to say that the world is a simulation. And, but that's what Gnosticism says. Gnosticism teaches that. And uh, it's like, it's been around for 2,000 years, but it went away for a while. But then in 1945, when they found all these Gnostic Gospels in a, hidden in a cave somewhere, that it's, since then it's been growing. People are buying into that. So that's also part of this falling away, people believing these false doctrines. And uh, in, in Acts 20, we have another warning against false prophets here. Acts chapter 20. Acts 20 and ver starting in verse 28. It says, uh, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So he's saying, as soon as he's gone, he was about to, he knew he was going to die soon. And he was saying, I've warned you for three years, day and night, even to the point of tears, that there was going to be false prophets arising among, even among themselves. And that's exactly what happened. As soon as the, as soon as all the apostles were gone, you had all these false doctrines coming up. You had Gnosticism coming. You had, and the Catholic Church took over in like in around 300 A.D. And ever since the apostles were gone, it's slowly been building up. This this falling away has been going on for a long time. 
but it's, it's come to the point where it's almost impossible to find the gospel now. You have to, it's almost an act of God to find it. In some cases, you can't find it. You don't know who's preaching the truth and who's not. The only way you can know is to check everything that you hear against the, against the King James Bible, right? If that, if, if, as long as it matches up to that, you're good, right? Then you know you're hearing the truth. And then uh, in 2 Peter 2, you don't have to turn there, verse 1, it says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Now these verses remind me there's a, there's a certain group of churches out there that used to preach the true gospel. They used to be good. They used to be really good. And they call themselves a movement, right? There's about 16 of these churches out there. They're mostly on the internet, right? And uh, they used to preach the true gospel until one day the, ma the main guy that is the head of this movement, basically, he did a 180 on his doctrine, and he's now preaching. He changed his doctrine on the Trinity, right? The most one of the most fundamental doctrines and he's changed it to match up with the catholic trinity and it's the catholics teach that the trinity is three separate persons god is three separate persons three separate minds wills three separate spirits three lords etc whereas the bible teaches that though there's the father the word and the holy ghost and these three are one Right? So it's, there's a little bit of difference there between what the Catholics are preaching and what the Bible says, right? And it, it, is, it can be deceptive. It's hard to, you know, determine. You know, it's, it's, not, it's, a, it's a whole sermon on its own, you know, the, to cover the Trinity. But he changed his, he used to believe that, you know, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, right? Calling himself God and the Jews tried to stone him because they knew he was calling himself the same God of the Old Testament. And now they're saying, oh, that's a separate person now. And it th doesn't line up with what, what the Bible says. So he's leading, he's one of these people that, you know, he used to teach the truth. He's like what Paul was uh, warning about, people from among ourselves all of a sudden starting to teach false doctrine. And there's another church out there in, in Long Island, uh, and he used to teach the true gospel. And one day, just all of a sudden, he started teaching that, well, you're, sa you're saved, but not all, sa you know, not all Christians are going to escape the lake of fire, right? He's saying that saved people could go through the lake of fire, which is not, is not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you're, if you're saved, the second death has no power over you, right? There's no way a saved person can, get to, can go to the lake of fire. But this guy started preaching it like overnight, right? So, the, so these, this is part of the, this great falling away that, that um, the Apostle Paul has been warning people of, right? And many are following these people. And, uh, and uh, people that are trying to tell them the truth, these people are so following the, these, these movements that, you know, it says, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. We're pre trying to tell them the truth, and they're and they're you know they're mocking people who believe the truth and saying no you know.
telling them, telling people that I'm unsaved for believing what the Bible says about the Trinity, and that type of that type of thing, right? So they're speaking evil of the truth, basically. And then Second Corinthians 11, we in verse three, you don't have to turn there either. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. So, and that's happening too. People are just bearing with these these false teachers, right? They're going along. They're following men instead of following the, the, the word of God in a lot of these cases. And it's it's contributing to this falling away, right? Bible has so many um, warnings against false false prophets that you know it's it's uh, we can tell that it's an important it's an important issue. Second uh, Timothy four verse two you don't have, you don't have to turn there. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. And that's what's happening today. People are turning to fables, like the fable of what the dispensationalists are teaching, like, you know, these where they say there's the Old Testament saints were saved by works, plus faith and they're saying nobody ever went to heaven in the old testament they went to this place in hell called abraham's bosom like the good side of hell the teach that's what they're teaching right it's a fable right because uh abraham is was in heaven the whole time there's no such place as abraham's bosom they're just taking one verse in luke 16 and making a doctrine out of that but it's not talking about a place in hell where people were it's talking about abraham's chest Right, like where someone he was hugging someone. So, but that's just one of the Jewish, one of the fables that they've been teaching, right? And then we have uh, in Matthew seven, it says, verse thirteen: Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. And because there's so many false prophets today, that's one of the reasons why the way of truth is narrow. The, the narrow is the way which leadeth to life. And few there be that find it because so many people are out there preaching lies. Just pre false gospels. It's repent of your sins, Calvinism, the Orthodox Catholic trinity everything it's just getting worse uh, as time goes on it's getting worse right so that's one of the aspects of this great falling away and another one is that there's it's hard to get people into church today people are falling away from church i find and even in the brief time that i've been around this the, the churches it's like they're used to i hear i hear that there used to be a lot of people coming to certain to places to churches back in like you know generations past they had big movements they had hundreds of people getting saved they had like 
you know, like Jack Hiles, those type of movements, thousands. He had a church of thousands back then. We're not seeing that much so much anymore. We're seeing stadiums, like 50,000 people going to false churches like um, Joel Osteen's church, right? He's got, his church is like a stadium, right? You gotta pay, you now have to pay to get in to Joel Osteen's church. He sells tickets to his, to his church, his church, which is really a stadium, right? So you've got thousands of people going to these false churches and not many people are now coming to the truth where truth is being preached. And, uh, and even even the people that used to come to our to our, to the true true churches, pe- people are like they're they're just getting out of church. They're getting discouraged. And um, Hebrews Hebrews chapter ten says uh, verse twenty four. Let me just go ahead. Hebrews ten twenty four. And because they can't find a good church, too. A lot of people, they can't find it, right? It's hard to find a good church, so they just don't go. They just stop going to church, right? But what does the Bible say about that? It's a, in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, Let us hold, in verse 23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So it's saying don't get out of church. It's even more important to stay in church as you see the day approaching. And we are seeing this day approaching. The end times is approaching us. We don't know how how long it's going to be. We don't exactly know because the Antichrist is not here yet. But it's we can see it approaching. And I'm even seeing, like, I'm seeing people that are not, like, they're non-believers, right? And they're starting to panic now about the stock market going down. They're saying that the stock market's going to crash. They're saying that the power's all going to get turned off. There's going to be some fake alien invasion happening. It's just, it's craziness what's going on, like, with the people on on YouTube, right? And uh, they're starting to panic. People are starting to panic. Even, it said in... um, in, one, in uh, Matthew 24, back in Matthew 24, it said that uh, in either Matthew 24 or Mark 16, it's one of those where it said men's hearts will fail them because of fear of what's coming on the world, right? So it's not a direct quote there. I don't, I don't have the exact verse right now, but uh, that's starting to happen too. So, uh, yeah, so we can see that day is approaching faster and like, more than any generation before us, it's now possible for the end times to happen because now we have the technology for that uh, that mark of the beast that is mentioned in Revelation 13 where every man will receive a mark. Who, whoever doesn't, who, whoever's not saved will receive a mark on their hand or forehead to buy or sell, right? And whoever takes that mark is going to hell because that's what, because that, Mark of the Beast is a sign of worshiping the Antichrist, right? The, that guy, the man of sin, he's going to demand to be worshipped and sit in the temple. And proof that you're worshiping him is taking that mark, right? So lots of people are going to take that mark of the beast, but it says that saved people will not take the mark. We won't take the mark because we know it's false, right? 
But uh, it's possible now to do that because they have these microchip implants. People are starting to put these microchip implants in their, in their, uh, in between their thumb and their forefinger, right in their hand, and use it to buy and sell. It's happening. They're using it to buy and sell at the store. They have this vending machine in the states where they, if you have a microchip implant, you can just put your hand up to it, and you can pay, right? So they have the technology now to implement the mark of the beast. So more than any other generation, this. It can happen now. It can happen anytime, right? All right, so that's why we're not to forsake the assembly, right? Stay in church so that you can be provoked to and teach each other and, you know, provoke each other to good works, right? And uh, back in Luke, Luke chapter 8, I'm going to go back to Luke 8, back to that parable in Luke 8. verse 14 Luke 8 14 and that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection and there's many people today there's so many distractions of the devil out there in today's world that even people that used to go to church, they don't go to church. They stay home. They're re- they go, you know, you go on the internet. You got, you know, sports. You got the TV shows. You've got, you know, you got to go to the cottage. You got, you know, there's so, you, gotta, you know, families visiting. There's so many excuses out there not to go to church. That people are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and because of that, they bring no fruit to perfection. Now that's saying. You know, if someone like me goes out and preaches the gospel, uh, you know, every week, right? You're going to bring some fruit to perfect. You're going to get some people saved, right? Because you're preaching the gospel to someone. But if you're choked with the cares and riches of the world, you can't, you're not going to be doing that, right? You're going to, it's, everything's distracting you. You can't, you're not doing it, right? You're not going to do the work, right? So those people are saved, but they're, they're just, cho- they're just, you know, overwhelmed by all the distractions of the, you know, it's getting busier and busier, and everyone's jobs are more busier. People even have to work multiple jobs. They don't have time. They don't have time to read the Bible. They don't have time to go to church and do good works or anything like that. And then in verse 15 says, But they that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring fruit forth fruit with patience. So we need to have the patience and try and go out and give the gospel. And we know that not everybody is capable of going out and knocking doors, right? Not everyone can do that. But the people that are doing, that can do that, people that I even know that go to my church, Amazing Grace Baptist Church, there's some people that have stopped. They stopped coming out. They used to come out soul winning. Now they're, they're not coming out. They're, they're being overwhelmed by, you know, school or work or whatever, right? So... They're starting to fall away. People are starting to fall out of that. But the Bible says, try not to do that. Bring, you know, stay away from those distractions of the world. And so you can go out and give the gospel and bring forth fruit with patience. It says patience, right? Got to have patience. Because it, it may take a while, you know, especially if they get out of soul winning. 
you're going to get rusty, right? If, if you haven't given the gospel to someone in a while, you're going to get rusty, right? So you don't want to get rusty, especially if we see the end times approaching, right? We've got to be ready that when that mark of the beast comes out, we've got to be ready. I'm going to be mobilizing. I'm going to be getting out there and warning everybody not to take that mark of the beast, right? Preaching the gospel to them and trying to get them saved before it's too late, right? So we've got to be ready and stay in practice and keep doing our doing our soul winning on a regular basis so that we don't get rusty, right? And we got to, and you know, just keep keep on, right? And uh, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, you don't have to turn there. It says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. So this guy Demas used, came with Paul, right? So even back then, people who were too much in love with the world, with the things in the world, right? And it says in 1 John 2, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. So this guy Demas left Paul and just went back to the world. He just quit. He just quit. Sorry, Paul, I can't help you anymore. I, you know, I love the world too much. So even back then, we had people doing that. And it's happening today, too. Nothing has changed. It's happening today, and it's probably happening more often today than, than it should, right? And then uh, in Ephesians, I'm going to go to Ephesians 4 to see what the Bible tells us here about what the purpose of church is. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So really the purpose of church is in verse 12. It's for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that we don't get tossed to and fro and deceived by false doctrine. Come to a good church that isn't teaching false doctrine, so that you don't get deceived by all the false churches out there. Because if you don't, if you, you know, if you, you can easily get deceived. It's, it's easy, right? I've been deceived by false doctrine before. It can happen. It can, it can easily happen, right? If you're not studying the Bible you know, on a regular basis. You can fall, fall victim to a false doctrine. And we've got to stay humble, too, so that when, this ha when we do get deceived, if someone tells us, you know, they think you're preaching something false or, you know, you might be believing something false, we need to be humble and, you know, you know take that criticism as constructive criticism and just, you know, so we can, you know, be sure that we're not teaching anything false. So next. The next point is there's people is people falling away from reading the Bible. 
right? People that used to read a lot of the Bible, a lot of Bible, they just they're getting bored of it, or what, for whatever reason, you know, they, they stop reading their Bible, or they've they've cut cut down quite a bit reading it. But if you don't know the Bible, if you haven't been studying the Bible, you can more easily fall for the false doctrines, right? Because all the false preachers out there, they they're not they're ramping up, you know, they're getting worse, and we need to keep studying the Bible. Otherwise, we're we're gonna fall for the we're gonna fall for some false doctrine. And if I go to Hosea, the book of Hosea, chapter four, that's in the Old Testament. He's one of the minor prophets. Right after the book of Daniel is the book of Hosea. So Hosea chapter four. Verse 1, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. And I'm going to skip down to verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. So there's a strong admonition there against a lack, having a lack of knowledge. You can be destroyed by a lack of knowledge. You'll fall for those false doctrines. And it says, you know, there's no knowledge of God in the land. Right now, in this today and age, most people don't even want to hear about God, right? They don't even believe it. They don't want to hear it. And it says they're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So we don't want to stop reading our Bibles. We want to we want to do it even more now that the day is approaching. And um, Acts 17 tells us about some people. It's good to know about Acts 17. Verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men not a few. So it's the people of Berea, and I believe and it's a good practice, right? It's a good, they had a good policy. Check everything with the, with the Bible, right? Don't just believe some, anything someone's telling you. Check it yourself, right? Read it, because that's the, the, our final authority is the Word of God, King James Bible. And um, that's a good policy. Be a Berean, right? Everyone should be a Berean. I strongly believe in that, and I check everything. No matter any books that are written by men, they're not going to be perfect, right? They're going to—they may have some false doctrine in them. I got—if I read a book that's written about the Bible, I'm going to check that book with the Bible to make sure that book isn't teaching something false. Because just because some authority on whatever subject writes something doesn't mean they're right 100% of the time, right? You always got to check it with the Word of God. And then. Uh, the next 
I am. I'm going to go to Amos chapter 8. Amos, it's back in the Old Testament again. Amos, it's after, so after Daniel, it's like Daniel, Hosea, Joel, and then Amos. It's one of the smaller prophets. Amos chapter 8. It's too bad, you know, it's too bad that everyone's Bible doesn't have the same page numbers, right? Because then, then you can say whichever page, right? But <laughs> it's different in every book. So Amos chapter 8, 11, verse 11. <coughs> Amos 8, 11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the word, the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. So it's saying, there's a famine of the word of, of words of the Lord, right? So, and it's true today that it's hard to find it, right? There is a famine in the land. Not many people are teaching the true gospel. And uh, they're teaching a, a bunch of false doctrine out there. So that's the fa he has sent a famine in the land. But we don't want to fall for that. We want to stay reading our Bibles and not fall for that famine. And we won't have to wander and look looking for it because we want to be able to find that truth, right? And uh, we also want to, you know, keep soul winning. And uh, let's see what else we have here. Romans chapter 10 has a good passage on soul winning, the reason for why we need people to go out. There is a famine of soul winners, too, in, the, in this day and age. There's not that many people that are coming out with us anymore. Everyone's like, in, there's a lot of churches that are fighting each other, and then we end up with divisions, and then these people go over there, these people go over here, and then we're, we're left with just a, a few people that are doing the, going out preaching the gospel, right? So Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Uh, well, verse 13, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So we, we need more churches, too. There's churches out there that used to go soul winning, and they don't do it anymore. They hang door knockers. They, they, they send out John and Romans books, like 10,000 of them, to, and hoping people are going to get saved from that. But it, the Bible says they need to send out preachers, right? Not flyers, not just you know, tracts or whatever, leaving tracts. So that's, you know, that's why we go out every week and we try to keep going. But we need more. We can't do it ourselves, right? We can't, nobody, you know, there's only, there's only a few of us now doing it. We need more. The more, the better. Because if we, we did a whole apartment building, we could do two apartment buildings in one weekend if we, in one day, if we, if we had enough people. Right? My dream would be to you have a 20-story apartment building and you have like five teams of people going out there and 
each person, each team takes like five floors and you're done in a day, you're done in one day. But if you only have one team, if you only have two people, you might take a month to do a building, right? To go through a building. So that's why we need more, because you can, you can get it done faster, right? You can, and it's, it's important to find these people that, will, that are gonna believe the gospel, right? And uh, in Matthew 9, I'm gonna go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9, uh, verse 37. Then saith he unto his disciples, this is Jesus speaking, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So even back then, the laborers were few, right? Jesus said, so if even if people can't go out, soul winning and I know there's a lot of people can't do to medical issues if you know you can't not everyone can do it right the young can do it's good for the young people to go out and do it as people get older it's hard to do right so but if people can't go soul winning at least what Jesus said they can pray that God will send more laborers into the field to do the work right so just keep praying for us that's a, at least everybody can do that right so And uh, there's a warning against this, what's happening in Revelation 2, where he's, he was talking to the churches. Go to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation 2. This was to the church of Ephesus. He was writing to the church of Ephesus. He says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. So this was a good church. Even Ephesus was a good church. They were doing a lot of good works, but he still had something against them because they left their first love, which the, the number one commandment is to preach the gospel to every creature, right? That's the first love. That's the first works preaching the gospel the church had stopped preaching the gospel right so he's saying if you don't you know if you keep that if you don't preach the gospel he'll come and remove the candlestick so basically the church will it'll go away the church will go away and that happened well the church of ephesus is no longer in existence today it's just a uh, ruins now so and we find there there that's that's one of the reasons why they stopped preaching the gospel. Just like today, a lot of churches have stopped doing it. And they, and they know the true gospel. Even the ones that know the true gospel, they, they're just, they're, you know, I don't know why. They're just afraid to go and preach the gospel or something. They think that, you know, sending out John and Romans is good enough. 
but it's not. And then, um, so they need to, and then people need to prioritize their lives. Uh, maybe put reading the Bible and going to church up higher on the priority list than the cares of the world. And um, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 31, uh, you don't have to turn there. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. There, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of, for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. They're saying, don't worry about the cares of the world. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to, you know, what you, what, you know, what clothes you're going to have, what are you going to drink. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And one of those ways to seek that kingdom of God is to give the gospel to someone, right? Go out and give the gospel. Tell people that you know what the gospel is, you know, or pray that, that uh, God will, you know, send more laborers into the harvest. And uh, just have to trust that he would just take care of everything else. And uh, there's some also some more warnings um, in the Bible about, um, you don't have to turn there. First Peter 5, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So we're commanded there to be vigilant, right? To be, you have to watch what's going on. We have to, I have to, I like to keep track of the news and see what's going on in the world because we don't, you don't know when that's going to start happening. The, there's supposed to be a world war coming, according to Revelation, and then the Antichrist is going to rise, and then we've got to be ready for that time. And if you're not being vigilant, you're not going to know. You're not. You're going to be surprised when all of a sudden here's the tribulation, right? Here's the Antichrist. We've got to take the mark of the beast. Then what are you going to do? You know, we're not going to take the mark, but it's better to be prepared, right? And uh, Revelation 2, verse 2: Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. This one is. It's not Revelation 2. Is it? I think I'm in the wrong chapter. I might have written it down wrong. Um, maybe it's Revelation 3. Yeah, Revelation 3, verse 2. And so verse 3, Remember therefore that how, and he's writing this to the church of Sardis, Remember therefore how, that how, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If thou, therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So if you don't, if you're not watching what's going on in the world, if you're not watching all these, what's happening in the false churches and all all the news and stuff that's going on, then you won't know. You know, you'll, it'll come on you as a surprise. So he'll come as a thief, right, to those people who are, are not watching. So, and then, um, okay, so let me go to Ezekiel chapter 22. 
Ezekiel 22. Ezekiel 22, starting in verse 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. So this is one of the reasons why the wrath of God is going to take place in the first place. If there's nobody, if there's nobody to stand in the gap, right? If there's nobody that can stand up for the truth, if everyone stops soul winning, everyone stops reading their Bible, going to church, then you're going to be in this situation where nobody's ever going to get saved. And then he's going to pour out his, then he's going to say, well, let's bring on the end times and it's time for the wrath of God, right? Because there's not much you can do if nobody wants to do the work, right? I don't think we want that time to come that quickly, right? Um, so it's possible that if more people stand up and stand in the gap and um, get out there and preach the word, that uh, it may delay the wrath of God somewhat. We, we can never know. And then I'm going to go back to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. started out earlier, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So it says, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have taught, which ye have been taught. That's good advice there. Because if we don't stand fast, we're going to get deceived by false doctrine. Right? So there's a good, uh, you know, some encouragement there from 2 Thessalonians 2 at the end of that chapter. And going into 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. So it's saying there's certain people out there that are just, they're gossiping. This is happening today. There's a lot of churches out there that are getting caught up in gossiping and infighting and casting people out of church. All the politics, it's like a soap opera, right? If you follow it, it's like a soap opera, right? It's the Baptist soap opera, right? But it's saying here we shouldn't get caught up with that. And and because because of getting caught up in that, you may get discouraged. There's people getting discouraged from being involved in that, all that gossip and nonsense that's going on with these busybodies, right? So instead of that, they should be doing the work, right? They should be doing, going out and soul winning. Concentrate on that instead of the infighting and the constant battling that goes back and forth. You know, be not weary in well-doing. Let's not 
be weary in well-doing. And in Galatians 6, it says something similar. 6, chapter 9, or verse 9. Is um, it 6? I might have the wrong chapter again. Galatians? Oh, I'm in the wrong book here. There we go. Galatians, yeah. Chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So again, let us not be weary in well-doing. Let's not get discouraged, right? It's saying, let's, let's not get tired of doing the work. Let's do good to everybody, especially to the fellow, our fellow believers, right? We don't want to be in one of these churches that's casting people out or, you know, telling, calling people heretics because they don't agree with them. And that's happening a lot today. We don't want that. And I'm going to go now to 1 Thessalonians chapter chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. His conclusion, and this is my conclusion as well. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by, for, by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we should wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together, and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace amongst yourselves. And I'm going to, I'm going to um, conclude with that thought. We should, be, we should watch and be sober. Because we don't want that day to overtake us as a thief, right? If we're watching and we're sober, then it won't overtake us as a thief. And we'll see it coming. And we'll be able to mobilize and get out there and, and um, warn people about what's coming on in the world. And I'm going to have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your precious word, and your precious and, and um, your precious son who died for us, and for the your word which tell which warns us and tells us everything that's going to happen from that from all of history until the end of time. And we thank you for that. And I pray that people will you know not be discouraged and fall out of the ministry that more people would come and join us and help us uh, go out into the harvest so that um, more people can get saved and they can also come and help us. 
And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.